At the invitation of RAF Coningsby, today I'm visiting the Typhoon display team to find out what it's like to fly the Typhoon and to get a taste of what it's like to put together the superb Typhoon display. The two members of the team that I'm talking to are Flying Officer Gregor Ogston, who's the display team manager, and Sergeant Liam Whelan, who is the Typhoon display engineer manager. There will be a second podcast uh, coming soon from Coningsby, which will feature a more in-depth look at the Typhoon itself. Uh, Liam and Gregor uh, took me on a, a guided tour of the aircraft and we'll hear more about uh, what it's like to fly and to work on the aircraft. That should be fascinating stuff for you guys, so keep listening. Anyway, on with today's episode. I first wanted to hear a little bit uh, about the base here in Lincolnshire, so I asked Liam what exactly was the mission of RAF Coningsby. The uh, mission for RAF Coningsby is to develop the future deliver the present and commemorate the past of the Royal Air Force combat air power. Uh, obviously we have the Typhoon based here. What else do we have on site? The aircrafts are based at Coningsby, uh, obviously like you say the Typhoon. We do have the uh, Tornadoes as well and the uh, Battle of Britain Memorial Flight. Battle of Britain Memorial Flight is the uh, Lancaster, Spitfire, the Hurricane and the uh, Dakota. Okay, hopefully I'll be uh, talking to those on a separate podcast. In terms of the RAF, what squadrons are based here at Coningsby? Squadrons based at Coningsby, uh, three squadron fighter squadron. It was the first operational Typhoon squadron. Then there was a uh, 17 reserve squadron. That's the, to test and evaluate the systems for Typhoon. Then uh, in 2005, 29 squadron uh, stood up, basically a training unit for all pilots that are coming on to Typhoon. So all Typhoon pilots are trained here, are they? Yep. And then there's 41 squadron, uh, reserve squadron, they test and, uh, test and evaluate squadron. Uh, they support the Tornado GR force, so any equipment that's coming into uh, service on the Tornadoes is tested by 41 squadron. And then 11 squadron, my old squadron, it's the first multi-role Typhoon squadron. And it's got quite a, an illustrious history, isn't it, this base, going back quite a long time. Can you give me a little rundown of uh, the history of the base? Yeah, Coningsby's history, uh, they started operational flying in March 1941, marking the uh, 70th anniversary this year yeah. of uh, flying from Coningsby. Okay. 617 Squadron Dambusers uh, were based here during the war. Guy Gibson was a bit, well, he's been posted here twice, and uh, Leonard Cheshire was based here at various times. Guy Gibson was uh, OC uh, 106 Squadron. And uh, although Gibson took off uh, from Woodall Spa for his last hop, he was, he was actually based at Coningsby. We had the Vulcan in the 60s. It was intended to be the TSR2 base, but didn't happen. The Phantom, Tornadoes, and now, as you can see, Typhoon. Okay, and uh, the future of the base? Is it secure, if you can say any base is secure? Personal opinion, I'd say that the uh, base was totally secure. For the future of Collinsby, I think the main emphasis is on the uh, Typhoon. Although you may have other aircraft here, but the, yeah. the emphasis is on... The main emphasis is on Typhoon, but obviously we've got the Tornadoes still in service. Okay, okay thanks very much. My next set of questions concerned the Typhoon display team. I was keen to find out whether or not the team would be displaying this year, uh, what with all of the operational requirements being placed on the Typhoon and our frontline pilots, but firstly I asked Liam why the RAF display the Typhoon in particular. The RAF displays because it's the RAF's newest piece of equipment. They want to show it off, they want to see you know, where the government has spent their funds on this mm -hmm. new aircraft and basically how it how it handles in the air and we also want to show off that the RAF the pilots are the best you know some of the best in the world and our yeah. engineers are the best in the world mm -hmm. and Gregor 
how would you get selected to be uh, a display pilot on the Typhoon? Getting selected to be a pilot on the uh, as the Typhoon display pilot is uh, is obviously a huge honour. Um, and chatting to uh, Tim Clement, who's the display pilot this year, he's um, really happy to be doing it for a second year. The process that he went through to get selected, um, he expressed an interest back in 2009 that he wanted to take over um, from the display pilot at the time. Um, once uh, he's expressed that interest, there's an official sort of application process and uh, he put his bid into the uh, commanding officer here. They then assess everyone on their current flying ability, um, whether they're above average, for example, on the force, their previous flying experience, what they've flown before, um, their career to date, and their character comes into it a lot as well, because obviously they're quite a public, yep. public uh, personality. Yep. You know, they're, they're kind of the face of the typhoon force. So that all gets looked at. Um, once uh, that's been done, the, the uh, officer commanding here makes a recommendation uh, to the station commander and he ultimately decides um, who he wants to put forward and that gets sent up to our air officer commanding number one group who makes the final call. And that takes a, a couple months to go through all that and then um, the, the, you know, the fortunate candidates announced at that point um, and that usually happens about September, um, so at the back end of, of this season and then he will continue with the, their normal flying job until about March next of the following year and then they'll go into the workup for that season. Do you fancy this job yourself? Well I, uh, I'll have to uh, do my time on the front line certainly to begin with um, but it's, uh, it's a great job and um, a very fortunate one to be able to display at some of the venues we go to and do some of the manoeuvres and things like that and really explore the full capability of the jet. It would be a fantastic honour to do it, maybe in the, uh, in the future, who knows, maybe yeah. sometime around Hope 2016. So. <laughs> How many people are on the team? There's just one display pilot, but who does he have on the, the backup team? Uh, well, there's one display pilot, then there's the, the backup pilot who brings the spare aircraft. Uh, Engineers-wise, five engineers, Spanning across all trades, weapons, uh, avionics, electrics, uh, mechanical, and we, we also take out the, the, the young lads with us who are uh, AMMs, like lineys. Then we also take an, an engineering officer. So basically there's f five engineers, the senior engineering officer makes six, and then we, we also have uh, for, for uh, ESS, which is uh, the uh, computer system that backs up Typhoon, we'll take a team for that as well. How do you actually train uh, for uh, the actual display? How long does it take you to put the display together and things like that? Training and developing the display usually starts around February of, of the year. Um, Tim and I sat down and he obviously has his experiences from last year so he puts together a sort of rough display of what he would like to do, what sort of manoeuvres he likes to include. Um, I then sort of help out and, and throw my, uh, my opinion in there as well to, to see, uh, see what we can come up with. That then goes to the, uh, the boss here and he, he has a look at it, makes any final tweaks that he wants to do and we settle on, settle on a routine at that point, uh, usually lasting about a seven minute or, or so routine mm -hmm. um, and that's normally about 12 or 13 different manoeuvres that, uh, that all get put together in the sequence. I presume there is specific training for a display pilot and how long does that training take? Yes, there, there is definitely some specific training that Tim goes through, so it's normally around 25 trips. He starts off initially in the simulator, so he'll use the, the simulator here at Coningsby and do three or four sorties to just see the 
what we put down on paper and on our whiteboard in our office and how that actually transpires into the aircraft and if it will work. After he's kind of fine-tuned it, he'll then go uh, and do it airborne, starting at 5,000 feet initially. So our normal aerobatic base height, um, for uh, he'll begin at that height, he'll do four or five trips there. Once the uh, supervisor, who is the uh, again the officer commanding 29 Squadron, is happy that the display is progressing well and safely, he will then authorise him to lower down to initially 1,500 feet, then 1,000 feet, and finally down to his display minima, which will seat him down as low as about 250 feet doing some of his manoeuvres. Um, he'll then uh, do about 13 or so displays at that height before displaying in front of the Air Officer Commanding Number 1 group who gives the final seal of approval to allow Tim to go and display to the public throughout the rest of the season. Uh, do you, Gregor, work with Tim on developing the display? We do. As I said, we, we share opinions and, and look at manoeuvres together. Um, he obviously knows how, how the jet handles and how it feels and how it will fly and I then sort of play the role of the general public and, and look at it and decide how, how is it going to appear to the crowd. Um, I also, during the season, commentate on Tim's display while he's flying it, so mm -hmm. I spend some time sort of writing a few notes and bits and pieces so I can then go to the air shows and explain what he's actually doing. What would you say is the, the most demanding manoeuvre and what's the sort of maximum amount of G you would expect to pull? The maximum amount of G that Tim uses in the display is the full aircraft limit of 9G. Um, he also goes to minus 3G, which is the full negative G limit, and he does that in one manoeuvre. Um, he describes that one not as his favourite, but as one of the most aggressive, and that's the roller coaster manoeuvre that he's developed for this year. His most demanding in terms of flying it, he says, is the slow speed loop. That's um, entered at around 200 knots using full reheat, and he's, he obviously gets very slow over the top of the manoeuvre and at low altitude, so it's quite a, a difficult procedure and manoeuvre to actually fly, um, but it gets a, a great effect. It's very loud um, right at crowd centre, so it's a manoeuvre we, uh, we're keen to have in this year. That's something we haven't mentioned yet, uh, just digressing a little, the, the G-suit that you have for the Typhoon, it's quite specific to the Typhoon, isn't it? It is, yes. It's a, an entirely uh, new... Um, air, air crew equipment assembly that we have on the Typhoon. There are full coverage trousers as opposed to some of the older ones that had bladders in certain yep. locations. So they cover the, the whole of the leg. We also have um, inflatable socks that we can wear as well so we'll get G protection, we'll even um, squeeze our feet. And the flight jacket that we wear which is contains our survival aids but it also um, is a flame, flame retardant jacket. It also now has G protection which is new. Um, and that's all combined with a very clever pressure breathing system. So uh, it, it's quite demanding on the body, pulling sort of 8, 9G, but the kit is absolutely fantastic in, in helping us deal with that. And what makes the Typhoon particularly suited to display? I think, I mean, it's plain to see when, it, when it's out there on the circuit, it's yeah. incredibly agile, incredibly manoeuvrable. It has a huge amount of power, and you can, I think, you know, personally, you can actually see the jet accelerate. You know, it's one mm -hmm. of the, the few jets in the world that can do that. Um, and everyone loves a nice, noisy, fast jet, <laughs> you know, turning, turning very tightly in front of them. So I think it's a fantastic uh, jet for that purpose. Okay. Uh, back to you, Liam. How do you prepare for an air show? Does do you all, all of the team, all go to a particular air show airfield? Well, this year, uh, preparation started in uh, September. Uh, just well, just as the air shows finished in 2010, I uh, took over as manager. Then it's down to going to the engineering officers and saying, right, we need 
three teams of five from the uh, 29 squadron engineers it then gets uh, we, we ask volunteers because obviously these guys are giving up their family time at weekends and things like that it's then decided between the uh, management who is going to be on the air, who's going to air show. We get the volunteers. It's then decided who's going to be on the air shows, and then once once all the teams are selected, we obviously have the PR side of things with the brochures and the posters, all that all that to do. But then when it comes to actual air show and uh, going to the air show, it's all uh, you've obviously got Tim who takes the ma- the main jet, uh, spare pilot takes spare jet, obviously, and the engineering team will. Uh, basically road trip to where wherever the air show is so if the air show's on a, starting on a saturday mm-hmm. the team will uh, basically leave Connie's on the friday right uh, do you take a support aircraft or do like the engineering team go by road yeah all the engineering team by road tim in the tim in the main jet spare pilot in the spare jet and maybe the the uh, manager in the back of the back of the spare because a lot going back to last year a lot of the time we took a uh, twin sticker as a spare how many displays do you normally plan to do in a, in a given year? Last year uh, was 26. This year, with ops and everything that's going on, it's 16. 16 for, uh, shows. And where do we stand at the moment? I have heard that you know, displays have been cancelled for this year or some are going to go ahead. What, what's the case? At the moment, the Typhoon Force is very busy with... It obviously provides quick reaction alert cover for the UK... Uh, both here at Coningsby and RF Lucas, it also protects the Falklands airspace, and we're currently deployed in operations in support of the United Nations uh, resolution in Libya. So the force is very busy at the moment. Um, as such, the flying aspects of the displays spend, uh, suspended at the moment. We are uh, awaiting a decision at some point. It's constantly being reviewed, and we hope to bring the the typhoon itself uh, to some of the shows later in the season. Failing that, however, the public relations side of the team, including uh, both myself as the display manager, the engineering display manager, and uh, some of the other members of the team will be in attendance at all our planned shows this year. So we will still be going there, uh, handing out all our brochures, posters, and etc. And we hope uh, people can come and join us. And then later in the year, hopefully, we'll get a jet there as well. Okay. If someone wants an update, is there a website they should look at? Would it be the... Uh, definitely the, the best place to to, uh, to look for an update is um, either the RAF main display team website or, uh, failing that, the Typhoon display uh, website, which is www.raf.mod.uk slash typhoon display. And we'll have all our latest news uh, on there about where we're going to be displaying and uh, if we'll have an aircraft there. Brilliant. I'll put that link in the show notes. As Gregor is destined to be a Typhoon pilot, I took the opportunity to find out about his career in the RAF to date and asked him uh, how you would go about getting selected to fly one of the most advanced jet fighters in the world. So Gregor, in terms of uh, training to fly Typhoon, uh, what preparation or experience would a, a pilot have typically before coming to Coningsby? Well, we get a, a wide range of experience uh, attending the OCU to learn to fly the Typhoon, whether it be guys who come from Tornado F3 and have previous air defence experience. We also have exchange pilots who come from other air forces to fly it, and then uh, guys like myself who are considered ab initio, who have no air defence background, um, who come and learn and learn from scratch effectively. My own background is I, I went through uh, direct I joined the Air Force direct from school at 18, so I didn't go to university and then completed elementary flying training on the Grob Tutu at RF Whitton. 
Uh, following that, I was lucky enough to be stream fast jet, went to RF Linton on Ooze in Yorkshire, flew the Tucano there um, for about a year or so, and then moved to Valley and 208 Squadron, uh, learnt to fly the Hawk T1, mm -hmm. and then progressed to 19 Fighter Squadron, also RF Valley, and uh, completed tactics and weapons training. So most of the ab initio pilots, that's their, their final step before coming here. At the end of 19 Squadron, the, uh, the boss sits down, uh, the boss of 19 Squadron sits down with all the squadron commanders from the frontline OCUs as well. So the uh, boss of 29 Squadron, the boss of 15 Squadron for the Tornadoes, and they then uh, look at each candidate and each pilot individually and assess their uh, particular areas of skill on, and uh, where they think best they, they'd be placed. And from there you come to 29 Squadron, do about four or five months in the OCU here, and then progress onto the front line as a, a combat-ready Typhoon pilot. OCU is Operational Conversion Yeah, unit? sorry, uh, OCU Operational Conversion Unit, yeah. How is the training expected to progress? The, well, the training starts very basic in the sense that you learn to fly the jet first. So you, you spend some time in the simulator initially learning your checks and emergency procedures. Um, you will then do some dual trips with an instructor in the rear and that will be to teach you uh, basic aircraft handling, um, how to fly sort of instrument approaches, uh, circuits, etc., landings, takeoffs, and just get a feel for it because the Typhoon has so much performance in comparison with the Hawk, which most guys come from. Just getting over that initially is quite a big step in itself. And that takes um, around uh, probably 10 to 12 simulator events and, f and uh, a handful of flights on top of that. And after, uh, after that, you get your first solo, so you get loose on your own. You spend an hour of, of general handling and aerobatics uh, handling sortie for your first solo. And then from there it kind of takes off after that and you uh, move on to a very short uh, formation trip uh, period. So you do one formation trip dual, then you do a formation trip uh, solo to practice and consolidate. You then do some instrument flying, gain an instrument rating which allows you to fly in poor, poor weather and poor conditions. And then that's you at that point considered a able to fly the Typhoon and the kind of handling of the jet and flying it in, in poor weather, um, in high winds etc is taken for granted and then you move on to the more tactical aspects. That phase of the course is about 15 simulator trips and 8 flights so you're looking at by that stage you've only flown the jet for around 8 or 9 hours mm -hmm. and you'll already be uh, considered competent at that point. It's probably difficult for you to say but um what do you think they look for in, in selecting pilots to be uh, Typhoon pilots? Obviously, you're very good. <laughs> well, I've been fast streamed. I, I could give you a whole list of reasons that uh, to to make myself sound great here, but um, go on. Then. No, I think generally what I, th I think they're looking for, certainly from the training that goes on at 19 Squadron, is um, your air defence sort of ability to to fly basic fighter manoeuvres, uh, recognise uh, air defence pictures we call them, so uh, assessing what an air another aircraft is doing, reacting to it um, uh, tactically and dealing with that. So that's quite a big part of it. Um, as the Typhoon is multi-role through more and more now, the uh, being able to go around and, and fly uh, attack profiles as well, dropping weapons is, is becoming more mm -hmm. and more key for the Typhoon. And I think one of the, the main um, attributes they look for is the uh, capacity, the ability to handle multiple inputs at the same time. So by the end of the, uh, the operational conversion unit here, you'll be uh, working with another wingman up against multiple threats. You know, and it might be a terrible 
uh, weather day here as well, so you've got to be able to operate the, the aircraft in, in all weathers, all conditions, go up, conduct a tactical sortie, above all else being safe, and then dealing with all the inputs that are going on uh, throughout that trip and potentially any emergencies that may crop up. So the, the ability to deal with all that and the capacity is, uh, is key, and I think that's one of the main factors they look at for now. It does strike me that dealing with all the inputs is, is one of the things that sort of separates you from run a mail pilot. There's a lot of information coming at you, isn't there? Yes, there's a huge amount of information that's that's been absorbed by the jet and that is displayed to the pilot and a lot of the work that we do is knowing how to prioritise that, mm -hmm. what do I need to know and when to, to get the, the right things done in the right order at the right time. Yeah. And not forgetting Liam, I asked him how he'd come to be working as Typhoon Display Engineer Manager. So Liam, what, what brings you to the RAF? What's your career to date? Career to date? My father was in the Air Force yeah. and he was a weapons technician too, the same as me. Not the reason why I joined up, it's just uh, one of those things. Sixteen and a half when I joined up, I was, uh, my father was at Anglesey, so that's where, that's where he was based, so I joined up there. Yeah, so I joined up as a weapons technician, joined in 1990 and went to Cosford for my initial training. Spent uh, six months at Cosford. And then went to uh, Hollington on the GR1s at uh, Twiku Tornado Weapons Conversion Unit, as it was back in the day. Uh, stayed there from 91 to 93, and then I think with Tornadoes, they wanted them moving to Lossiemouth. So they were, I think there was something to do with Stansted and the airspace, they wanted them out of Hollington. Hollington being the home of uh, the regiment now, so... Moved to uh, Lossiemouth in '93. Stayed at uh, stayed with Twicku until 1997, where I got my fitness course as a so promoted to junior technician. Did a few uh, detachments with uh, the GRs, uh, Holland, France, usually squadron exchanges, those sorts of things. Detchi. So went back to training for my fitness course in 1997. Then from Cosford, spent a year at Cosford. 1998, I. Uh, was posted to Coltshaw. Coltshaw was in the uh, the Aden gun bay, so servicing the guns for the Jags. Spent uh, a year there, but my aim was to uh, I wanted to do a tour of Germany before it closed down. So 1999, so I was only at Coltshaw for a year. 1999 got posted to uh, Bruggen. Spent uh, just over two and a half years out in Bruggen, uh, back on servicing the uh, Mauser guns. So I know how, exactly how one of these mouses work and what they do. I spent, like I say, three years in Bruggen. Fantastic time. Love living in a foreign country. Love working in a foreign country. Then from Bruggen, Bruggen obviously uh, closed. Posted to my first tour of Coningsby. Came here. As I was, po as I was posted from Bruggen, I was told I was uh, detached down to the Falklands and I had to do a, uh, a uh, EOD queue. So... Uh, what the hell's an EOD queue? Bomb disposal. Oh. <laughs> to be honest, in the RAF you do you do attend a lot of courses. It was one of the best courses I've ever attended because I learned how to drive a uh, Spartan and Scimitar. Yeah. And basically learning how to drive a tank when you're in the RAF is <laughs> and, you know, quite an unusual... Uh, Nothing you signed up for. No, no it, was quite, yeah, it was. It was a brilliant, brilliant course and... Uh, I suppose the, the, t the best bit was uh, driving the tank down the A1 and, and popping into McDonald's. <laughs> 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 but uh, yeah, did my EOD course, post, came to Coningsby and then 
uh, sent to the Falklands for uh, four four months down the Falklands. Uh, that was covering uh, the EOD side of it. And uh, did you actually dispose of any bombs? Whilst in training, yes, but not down the Falklands. It's the Falklands. You, you're there more for uh, just in case, and you're there for doing the debriefs. Because once you arrive, when you arrive down the Falklands, you do get all that debrief about where to go, where not to go. So, yep, Falklands came back from the Falklands, and then was supposed to Lehman on F3s. So, GRs, F3s, F3s for an armourer. Yeah, not that, not, <laughs> not not much to load onto F3. So, it was just mainly ejection seat and uh, Amrams. So, spent a year at Lehman, and then uh, volunteered to come on to Typhoon. So, 2005. Posted down to uh, Collingsby, and uh, here, still here. I've worked, obviously worked on the uh, armour desk. Got promoted to sergeant whilst I've been here. So worked with the, uh, the armour desk, and then uh, volunteered to train up the uh, the new lineys that we get for Typhoon. So did that for a couple of years. I've been out to Basra, two thousand eight. That was a fantastic experience as well. I uh, worked in VAS, so every aircraft under the sun from uh, Antonovs to Herks yeah. to Blackhawks. Yeah, we got to handle that, all them. And I'd say my best experience was, of uh, Bajra was a Herk pulling up and out walked Barack Obama and came over and shook all our hands. Get over. No, that was, that was uh, my claim to fame. <laughs> I've met the American president. Yep, uh, so it was Bajra 2008 and been at, been at Coningsby and vo- uh, last year volunteered. For the uh, air shows, I've covered air shows since 2006. I was a weapons technician as a corporal on the display teams and then uh, got promoted and I volunteered to uh, be team leader. Team leader is basically on an air show, is uh, liaising with all the uh, outside agencies on on camp, making sure you've got the the right kits, making sure everyone knows where they're going and making sure they know how they're getting there. So basically it's like a, a mini detachment. You're in charge of getting the team to wherever they're going. Did that for two years, and then uh, obviously people were getting promoted, people shifting around. I was approached and said, "Would I like to be the uh, engineering team manager?" Which I jumped at the chance, and uh, at the moment it's going well. If you say so yourself. Yeah, very well. And if you had your time all over again, would you join up? Definitely. I've got I've got two sons who uh, have mentioned you know shown an interest in the forces, and I've always I've always said. It's best staying, and I know everyone, most people say this, but stay in school, get some sort of degree, or even do what Gregor did, and join either join as a pilot or join as an engineering officer. Because I think even as a, a te- an aircraft technician, you, you're working with what the Air Force is about. I mean, I know we get supported by great people, but people join the, join the Air Force to work on aircraft. That's, that's what I believe. Mm-hmm. But then you, you get to work on uh, tanks as well. <laughs> so, yeah. That's it. Great stuff. Thank you very much, Liam. So, a big thanks to the guys down at Coningsby. That includes Liam and Gregor, and a special thanks to Jim Robinson, who invited me down to the airbase and put the day together. The Typhoon is a stunning aircraft, and it was a special treat to be able to get up close to it, and uh, an even bigger privilege to talk to the guys that keep them flying. Let's hope the aircraft and, of course, the display pilot, Flight Lieutenant Tim Clement, is back on the display circuit soon. I've seen the Typhoon being put through its paces in the past, and it's well worth a trip to see it perform if you get the opportunity this year. Like I say, I'll be posting another podcast about the Typhoon itself. 
which um, hopefully you'll find very interesting. Don't forget you can follow the podcast on Twitter or Facebook. If you are enjoying listening to the podcast, please tell your friends about it and leave some feedback on any forums that you might be members of. Thanks to all of you that have uh, supported the podcast by visiting the Flying Podcast website and clicking on a few links or have bought something from Amazon. Yep, thanks a lot. If you have any comments, uh, suggestions for future episodes, or if you'd like to take part, you can email me on steve at flyingpodcast or email me over uh, a little piece that you've done yourself, a recording. Oh, and before I leave, as you may know from my tweaks, etc., I was staying on a campsite which was right at the threshold of the, uh, the runway at Coningsby, and uh, this was the noise that I was woken up to, and it was the last thing I heard at night. Have a listen. <laughs>